Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today, we're hoping to give you a picture of what makes the Cape Cod League so special for New England baseball fans. The Cape League season will kick off with a full slate of opening day games on June 12th. Our guest is Harwich Mariners play-by-play announcer Tim Foley. Tim, thanks so much for joining us in studio. Yeah, no, thanks for having me here. I mean, I love the Cape League, and so it's a pleasure to be able to, to come in and talk about it today. Yeah, it's uh, we're all excited for the start of the season. Obviously, it's narrowing down here in the next week. Uh, and so much goes into it, you know, behind the scenes with host families, temporary contracts, a lot of moving parts. Um, what's your plan in terms of, you know, getting down there and staying for the summer in the Harwich area? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough that uh, my family's always had a home in Harwich. And so I've uh, grown up going to some games. Um, I knew that I wanted to find myself in the Cape League calling game. So I kind of worked my way into that. Um, and so I'll be moving down uh, today, actually. And then um, once the season kicks up on June 12th, it'll be um, it'll be in full gear. I mean, I'll spend this next week kind of looking at the equipment and whatnot, making sure that we're actually ready to have a broadcast on that uh opening day in Falmouth for us. Um, and so I'm really just looking forward to getting down there, uh, looking at the equipment, uh, seeing some old faces who you know are returning from the media team last year, as well as uh, old faces from uh, just the uh, the team organi- the organization as a whole, team president, uh, Mary Henderson. It would be good to see her and, and plenty of other regulars down in Harwich. Yeah, and you said, uh, so you grew up around it, and this has always kind of been a lifelong goal uh, to you know stay down there for a summer and uh, be in the broadcast game. Um, what is it about the Cape League that made it so appealing, or what? Why? Why has it been uh, such a goal for you to get down there? Yeah, well, you know, I think for me, um, I started broadcasting uh, a while ago. I think I was in the eighth grade. I did my first game, and I just kind of kept going from there um, all the way through high school, and then. It was probably about midway through high school. I was calling games with my public access station, Natick Pegasus, uh, from Natick, Massachusetts, to represent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, or rather, no, I knew that the Cape League existed down on the Cape. And so I tried to see what we could do because I was calling baseball games for our high school. And I knew the Cape League had been around. And I just thought it'd be fun to call a game there. Um, I So I reached out to Ben Layton, who was, no longer is, the general manager of the Harwich Mariners, about having my public access station come down, uh, cover a game. And so we did that. I was just in high school. It was my junior year going into senior year of high school. I uh, did that with one of my high school buddies who I called games with all four years of high school. That was a lot of fun. And then, you know, from there, once I got that taste of it, just being down there, kind of seeing all these, you know, these college athletes, these, these like, almost professionals uh, who are just so excellent at their craft, uh, it made me want to try to get to that level myself where I find myself down on the Cape uh, all summer long being able to call games. And so uh, I kind of I worked at it from there. You know, Then um, the summer, my freshman year, going into my sophomore year of college, um, when I was at Fitchburg State, I reached out to Mary Henderson, team president, and I asked her if I could just be, just be a game day intern because they had already hired their broadcasting interns for that summer. Um, and so I went down there and it was fun. I got to call the 50, 50 raffle tickets all summer long. So I'm walking around the ballpark, uh, heckling people, like trying to get them to buy 50, 50 raffle tickets. I'm like upselling the, uh, the pot for that night, like, Oh, estimated pot, you know, $1.6 billion, (laughs) something to get the people going and interested. Um, so I'd stick with that. Um, and that was just a lot of fun. And then I made it known to the higher ups with the team as the summer went along, like, Hey, 
I also do broadcasting. I, like, I reintroduced myself as the kid who had done a game for them a few years prior. They had remembered me. Uh, they took a look at some of my more recent stuff, and I was lucky enough that you know they billed me to be the broadcaster for the 2020 season. Unfortunately enough, that season then went on to be canceled. Um, but I was then very lucky that they had me back for the 2021 season and now here uh, coming back for the 2022 season, what will be, uh, I anticipate my finale uh, with the Cape League uh, soon to move on. But I'm looking forward to what should be uh, a fun last summer here. And so it's been a long time coming uh, this summer and last uh, to try to get to this point. But, you know, I think I've, I've made the most of it. And I've, I've certainly enjoyed uh, the journey getting here and, um, and just the time I've spent here as well. And obviously, it's a, such a high level of play for summer collegiate baseball. It's you know probably the top league in the country with a lot of guys. I think it, I read today maybe like 375 players who have played in the Cape League have gone on to play in the big leagues. Um, but also, you know, you've covered a lot of different uh, ga- games at all different levels. And you always hear that the Cape, not just the level of competition, but the atmosphere and the environment. It's just so welcoming for families and, you know, small children and things like that. What is different about the Cape League environment when you're actually at a game? Uh, you know, I think uh, by and large, um, one of the things that helps to make it a different experience is, um, well, first off, like for the players, um, you know, what kind of helped to separate the Cape League initially as this top uh, level for collegiate baseball players was the transition to wood bats back in, um, I believe it was 1984 or 85 was that first year. Uh, that they started using wood bats uh, with more regularity. And so uh, so that really kicked it off from like a player standpoint. But then you think about it, and I think part of what makes the Cape League so special, the atmosphere and whatnot, is that um, one of the things for me is that everything's within driving distance, within close proximity to one another. Uh, you're able to, as a fan of either uh, a, a certain player or a certain team, if you have a house down on the Cape for just a week, you can follow that team for an entire week, whereas you know with a lot of other you know summer leagues, it's like a three four hour drive sometimes to your closest opponent. Whereas you know I think the toughest drive on the Cape is probably Orleans to Wareham. That's probably uh, like an hour and a half ish, maybe if that. Um, and so I think that really helps to foster a sense of you know fans believing that you know the teams are theirs that they can you know feel more attached to uh, the players that they come by to watch the their sons you know their brothers or friends that they come by to watch um, that helps to keep them attached um, and just you go there and you know part of what makes the atmosphere so great is that all of these teams they're all playing on on you know these these. Uh, it's like high school fields, middle school fields. It's not like they're being, you know, brought up to, to play on these great big uh, major league, minor league parks. They're playing at, um, uh, like, what is it, Eldridge Park. That is, I think, like, Nosset Elementary. That's their park. Uh, Stony Brook Elementary School. That's where Brewster plays. Um, Harwich, we play at Monomoy High School. And so it's just, it's all these, like, small fields that have a very rustic feel to them. Um Yes, like there's ads around the ballpark and whatnot, but it doesn't really feel very commercialized. You know, the players don't even get walk-up songs. It's really just about the game in its purest form. Uh, And, you know, whenever you're at a game, there isn't, like, there's a home crowd, but, you know, everybody's there to just watch the game. And I think everybody kind of has a mutual respect for that. And I think that's just part of what makes it so great to come out and, and watch these games is that both sides always have a good showing. Um, and so no matter what happens, there's people cheering in the ballpark. And it's, it's always just such a great time. Uh, and I think that's one of the things for me that helps to really sell it. And for fans who haven't been, 
uh, attendance is free. You know, you show yep. up, they'll pass around, you know, uh, a cup for donations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can go check out 100, you know, not 100, but, you know, 40 Cape League games a summer, you know, no charge. And it's such a, such a high level of baseball. Um, I wanted to ask about the wood bats because um, – we had a coach on last week from the Catholic Conference, and he was saying, you know, when they used wood bats for a season, like scoring went way down, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of one nothing game, 2-1 yep. games. How does that impact uh, offense on the Cape? Yeah, it's interesting. You'll find guys who they'll come in, and they'll be, you know, a stud with their Power 5 conference team, and then they'll come in, and they put a wood, you put a wood bat in their hands, and it just falls apart. You know, it's it's really like trying to, to, to relearn uh, this skill set that you've already been become so proficient at, um, but you'll see guys will pick it up over the course of the summer. And you know, one of the things that you know I felt at the end of last season was that if you took any of the ten teams on the last day of the season and you put them against any of the ten teams on the first day of the season, it'd, it'd be a, like a blowout. You'd have like the the teams who had been worth the bat, wood bats all summer long. Uh, you'd see just uh, just a blowout in that regard. The players get so much better with the bats as the season goes along, which makes sense because for a lot of these guys, you know, it's their first time uh, with regularity using a wood bat against some of the top talent in the country. You know, the pitchers, the game's not different for them, so they're going to come in, and they're still their power five self, and so they're really going to be uh, taking advantage of of, um, of these batters who are trying to learn this, this system for the first time. And it was interesting. I was pouring through uh, some of the records recently um, all time uh, Chris Toms, who is the lead statistician for the Cape Cod Baseball League, he does a great job uh, organizing a lot of the stats. And I looked at an archive he had put together, and you see he breaks down a lot of the records by metal bats and wood bats, and you see pretty clearly that all of the offensive um, all of the offensive records are all held by players who played in the metal bat era, and all of the pitching records are held by pitchers who all pitched um, wood bats and and. And onward, and so you know, clearly it, it favors pitchers heavily to start. But for a player, I think that just has to motivate you more to you know try to improve because you know that if you can really improve uh, with the wood bat, then you're really setting yourself up well to show scouts what you can do because they're looking at you with a metal bat all season long in college. They want to see what you can do with a wood bat, how you can improve, and it doesn't matter if you know you're not the greatest player uh, on the uh, on the Cape in the league to, to start the season. You know, so long as you're able to um, kind of recognize that there's work to be done over the course of the season and improve, uh, then that's going to go a long way. Scouts are going to see that, and your draft stock's going to go up. Yeah, and it's nice to get that two-month, uh, you know, development period with the wooden bat out mm-hmm. of the way, you know, especially yeah. if you are a draft prospect. What about the timing of the draft? That kind of changed since the pandemic. It used to be early June, so you wouldn't get guys who were going to get drafted committing to playing on the Cape because it would be, you know, you'd be there for a couple of days and head out. Uh, what is it like now that the draft is like mid-July? Are you seeing a better quality of player? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I I, I would always joke with my, my co-broadcasters last season. It's like there's several seasons within the season uh, for the Cape League because you have, you know, you'll have your players first show up um, and the season will start while the Super Regionals are going on. And so... Um, you'll generally a lot of these Cape League teams because they're pulling from the top teams in the country and those are the teams that are still playing they're missing a good chunk of their roster to start the year and so you bring in a lot of temporary players to start off guys from maybe more um, like mid-major schools who are you know fighting for a chance to stick around once more of the uh, the full-time players roll up 
Um, and so that's something that you always have to watch out for is um, the Super Regionals. Like players roll in on like a slow basis once they get to the College World Series as well. There's also Team USA. They have a collegiate team that um, they will pull from the Cape League pretty regularly. Um, you know, I feel it feels like every team every year on the Cape has um, at least like two or three guys they end up losing because of the collegiate um, USA collegiate team. Um, and then beyond that as well, um, I thought there was like another phase of it. But yeah, then you have the draft, of course. Now it's in the middle of the season, and so it's just another wrinkle to it. So you have guys coming in from College World Series playoffs, you know, when they wrap up. Uh, you have guys heading out, Team USA, the draft. And so it's really not until about midway through the season you get your team. Um, but I would say that you can see a lot of really great talent early on, but also later on because sometimes you get those Team USA guys back. You might lose them. You might not even see them to start the season, but then midway through, if they still want to play baseball when they're done with their uh, with their um, Team USA uh, stint, then we'll see them, and they'll be really big contributors. You know, last season we saw a lot of guys come on late in the season who ended up being big contributors to teams down the stretch and, you know, proving why they were on Team USA to begin with. And so uh, it's always fun. There's always uh, layers to the season, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what exactly this season is going to bring in regards to that. Yeah, and we know U- UConn's in the Super Regional, so that'll yep. be, you know, a lot of those guys have committed to Cape League teams, and mm-hmm. they'll be arriving late, like you said. Northeastern last year, I remember Coach Glavin shut down all of his pitchers because they, you know, hit their specific pitch mm-hmm. count, so, you know, you had to replace those guys late in the season. So, yeah, it is. there are a lot of different wrinkles, and sometimes those teams in the playoffs don't look similar to what they had, you know, yep. to get no, them exactly. to the playoffs. Exactly. It's funny. Uh, now the you had you had mentioned the ballparks and a lot of people love them for different reasons. Some mm-hmm. like you said, there's one in an elementary school. If you have a family and you want your kids to go play mm-hmm. uh, on the playground because they're not going to sit still for you know seven nine innings, uh, you could do that. What are your favorite ballparks? The ones to attend? You always hear about the sunsets. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. what are the scenes like at your favorite ballparks? Well. I'm I'm a Harwich guy, and so I'll always say White House Field is is going to be my favorite. Um, you know they have uh, good ble- great bleachers, really. I think along both the first and third base sides, berms as well on the first and third base sides. So you can kind of get more of that like picnicy feel as well. Um, and it's open in the outfield. There's like enough space between the fence and the wood line that you can set up chairs. And, um, and I think there is like a, a little bleacher out there in the distance. Um, so there's always plenty of seating there. Hardly a, a bad seat in the house. Um, I love the press box there calling games. And so I'll always love White House Field, but I know uh, there's so many great ballparks around the league. Um, in the East, uh, to look at them first, uh, the East Division, Orleans, Eldridge Park, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, they have uh, a pretty infamous hill. I, I guess you could just say famous. Um, a famous hill that's right along that first base side where um, there will be folks who will show up at 8 a.m., perhaps if not the night before. They'll set up their lawn chair, their towel. They'll claim their territory for the next day's game or that night's game um, just because it's such a, a hot commodity getting a seat on that um, on that hill that and it's such a great sight uh, as a broadcaster seeing that and then the sunset there's sometimes brutal because you're staring at it uh, straight straight over right field from where we broadcast like just uh, adjacent to the third base dugout and so we're staring at the sun when we're calling the games there but um, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the Cape League sunsets. There's really nothing like it at every single ballpark. I mean, the sky just turns this this mix of blue, pink, yellow. Um, I know Kyle put home um, 
he took a lot of great photos last season for um, for the league. Uh, Prudhomme, if I didn't pronounce that correctly earlier, um, and he's got a lot of great stuff. And so there's plenty of pictures there to check out. Um, but um, so Orleans is great for that. Uh, I know Veterans Field. Uh, I would say probably the most picturesque in my mind um, because they have um, the outfield wall. It's all. Um, it's all blue. It's not just a chain link fence. They actually like make it so it's it's like a, a solid blue. They have the bunting around it as well. Um, they also have a big hill, but it's that's more in the outfield, so it um, operates more in that function. Um, and then they have good seating right around home plate. It's actually like a nice little uh, bleacher area where it, it wraps around home, um, goes pretty much dugout to dugout, and so it's that's that's a really nice park as well. They have a great press box there uh, over at Veterans Field. Um, I think another playground there as well for uh, for all the parents who want to get their kids over to the playground. Um, and then thinking about other fields, taking a look at the West now, I know that um, I believe it's Arnie Allen Diamond at Gov Fuller Field in Falmouth. They've actually just undertaken a huge renovation project where they just redid both of their dugouts. They've added a brick foundation behind a home where it's kind of like a brick wall now, um, probably about... 20 feet back from home plate and then they added bleachers behind the third base side as well so there's more seating um and i'm looking forward to getting down there for opening day um you know i'm looking forward to getting to white house field of course but i really want to see what they've done with um gov fuller field and and uh you know to help just elevate the status of yet another ballpark in the league um Lowell Park is also really nice. That's in Katuit. Uh, the Ketteliers, uh, they have great seating as well. Uh, great space down the uh, left field line. Um, it's cool. The, the wood line is, like, the park's like right in the middle of the neighborhood. So the wood line's like right there. You can like see some houses, but it's it's nice. It gives it kind of like a, a homey feel. Um, although that it does come with its drawbacks. Uh, they have not been able to get lights there. I think, I believe in part um, because of like neighboring reasons, whatnot. Um, so their games are always played at, I believe, about like 4 or 5 o'clock so they can get them in before it gets dark. Uh, YD, um, Red, Red Wilson Field, and then Stony Brook Field as well for Brewster. Those two fields also don't have lights. So those are options if you're trying to go to an earlier ball game, whereas another field, you know, Veterans Field, I think Harwich even, uh, we might have a few like 7 o'clock games. And so 4 o'clock, you know, it kind of works out too because you think about scouts, you know, they can go and catch a game and get to it. Watch that, you know, see the guys play, pitch, what have you, uh, and then make their way over to Chatham or Harwich. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. 
Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. It feels like the youth component is really kind of built into the Cape League experience. They have parades. Um, you know, even the host families become so attached and they kind of buy into the whole experience with the players. Um, what are some of those other youth experiences that uh, are offered for families in the Cape area? Yeah. So uh, to my knowledge, I believe every team does a clinic uh, where they, they vary it by age throughout the week. You know, the players generally, um, you know, they'll have their practices. They'll, they'll hit the batting cages during the day when, um, you know, either it's an off day or, you know, they got time before the game. Um, but in the mornings, they will help to run a clinic, a youth clinic for kids. You know, again, it varies on age group. They'll they'll break it up by day. Um, but, you know, that I think it's a great way for young players to um, go and experience what it's like to uh, learn from somebody who is like right at that professional level. You know, it's really about as good instruction as you can get at uh, at the youth age from these collegiate players who who still kind of get it. You know, they they remember what it was like to, to maybe not be you know um, like seven eight years old but there are kids who um, you know, I believe they have like 13 14 year olds 15 maybe even um, where you can go and uh, learn from these guys who are at, who are the best at their craft in their age bracket uh, in the country and, and you know you mentioned other youth experiences you mentioned the host families you know I can't tell you how many stories of whole I've heard of uh, host family connections that last a lifetime, you know, weddings that get attended, um, you know, host families that end up making the trek all the way cross country, either to check out a, a kid who's still playing in college or to watch somebody play um, in the um, spring in spring training, you know, Arizona, Florida. And so, you know, it, that's that's something that really makes a difference. If you're a, a uh, if you're somebody who has a house down on the Cape, then that's something I would strongly urge you to consider is, is hosting a player because, you know, I hear you bring them in and they really do become like family. And, you know, it's it's a really cool experience if I ever end up owning a house down there and I'm around for the summer. I know that's something I'll eventually pick up uh, should that be the case. And so um, that's a really great experience on top of the, the clinics as well. I think those are great to offer for the kids. Yeah, you mentioned Kyle Prudholm. One of the things he did, uh, one of the photos he took last summer, it was a painter. I can't remember what ballpark it was. It's I, I might have been in Katuit, but somebody was like mm-hmm. right outside of the front gate, and they were just painting, you know, the scene with all, yes. you know the actually, fans coming. Yes, in. I actually know the picture you were talking about. Yes, that was Lowell Park in Katuit. Yeah, yeah, and I was no, like, it's, this it's is like something you'd only see uh, yeah. on the Cape. Um, what are? Can you think off the top of your head of any other traditions or experiences that are really just? Um, exclusive to the Cape League? Uh, well, let's see. YD. Now, I never got to experience this personally. I'm hoping they'll bring it back this summer. The Donut Burger. 
where they had a a hamburger too much like from what I hear I've never I never saw one personally again I'm upset over it but it's a hamburger now I don't know if they give you two separate donuts as the buns or if they split the donut uh, and they use just one donut as the bun but um, all I've ever heard is that that is um, is one of the greatest greatest uh, things you could probably have in regards to ballpark food <laughs> on the Cape. Uh, again, I'm hoping they'll bring it back this year. There were rumors last summer that they were going to bring it back midseason. It never happened, unfortunately. Um, so I'm holding out hope. Uh, beyond that, um, I know the Mariners this season, uh, so the Hyannis Sound, they are a pretty renowned um, a cappella group on the Cape. Uh, they'll perform in, uh, I believe it's uh, Chatham, Falmouth, Wareham, and uh, in Dennis, like in churches. And um, so they'll do that like four times a week, and they'll fill out these churches. Um, and so they're, they're pretty popular. Uh, Harwich, we're actually going to have them be singing the national anthem, I believe, on July 10th. Um, so I believe that's a Sunday game, 530 against Brewster. So that's something to check out. Um, hopefully that becomes more of a tradition, you know, a pretty famous group like that. Um, uh, just thinking about other traditions, you know, like around the Cape, one of the things I miss that unfortunately, uh, isn't going to be around this summer. Um, there's an A and W in Harwich port that's closed for the season here, uh, in 2022. Um, they used to do a cruise night where they'd have classic cars just lining the parking lot every Wednesday night. So, um, you know, and you get a lot of rustic, um, just kind of cars and, and just like, uh, situations that kind of pop up all over the Cape like that. Um, so I'm sure despite that one not being available, there are even more uh, options around for uh, just for like, you know, kind of stuff to do when you're not at the ballpark, you know, other than uh, catching a game, which I don't know why you'd want to do anything, but <laughs> go to a Cape Cod baseball league game every single night. But, um, but you know, there's plenty to do around the Cape and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Hyena Sound will bring. And um, beyond that, yeah, bring back the donut burger. Yeah. This is my this is my plea to to YD. Please bring it back. Have you ever had the uh, fried gator bites in Falmouth? No, I haven't. Um, yeah, I saw that on a. I was looking through like yeah. ballpark menus and okay. Yeah, that that looked interesting too. Well, well, opening day is in Falmouth. I'll have to check those out. There you go. Um, but no, I, I had not even heard of them. We only go there so often, so I'm not uh, paying attention every time to to every menu. But I'll have to uh, make an effort to seek that out when we when we're in Falmouth this Sunday. Do you have a, a favorite Cape League memory, whether it be you know growing up as a as a youth fan or as an announcer? Um, yes, yeah, so I have, I have a few. I think so. I think the very first one I'll bring up is um, it was a season opener in Orleans. I think it may have been also um, June twelfth last season. Um, we were doing a stand up. My broadcast partner and I, Tyler Henry, where you know he's at, he's. Uh, introducing us we're doing a stand-up he's asking me questions we're kind of doing a little preview before the game and our producer Chris Cassidy he's standing behind with like a with a with an iPhone he's filming us um, and he's on foul ball duty and so in case anybody comes anything comes flying at us uh, you know he's supposed to say something because uh, we're, we're standing right down the left field line during BP and so we're at risk here um, and so like I'm, I'm answering a question I think Tyler asked me oh uh, who's the player to watch out for this season um, and then next thing I know, all I hear is Chris say, heads up. And so I had to duck out of the way. It's in the middle of the shot. Uh, I didn't get hit. Tyler's laughing. And then um, I hop right back in the shot. And then I say, uh, Brock Wilkin. <laughs> Just uh, picked it right back up. And then funny enough, he ends up going on to be the uh, 
Cape League MVP last season, so maybe there was a bit of luck, you know, um, that that ended up happening. But uh, that was fun, kind of my welcome to the Cape moment. Um, nearly getting hit by a foul ball in my first uh, media stint with the team. Um, beyond that, uh, I'd have to say probably my top memory from last season. We were in Bourne. I think it was one of the first few games of the season. Um, you know, it's the Cape. It's it's uh, it's prone to sometimes um, suffering from you know rain, lightning, whatnot. And so we're in Bourne, uh, we're looking at the weather, and we're looking like, okay, there's a thunderstorm, we'll see if it holds off. Uh, the game starts, and then we probably get about five, six innings in, and then lightning starts striking. It's like, off in the distance, like, we never felt like there was any real risk, um, but, you know, of course, within a certain proximity, you have to delay the game. And for every lightning strike, it resets the um, kind of the countdown timer, if you will, to when you can play again, back to 30 minutes. And so lightning strikes, all right, 30-minute delay. Another lightning strike, all right, all right, continuing along here. It's been 30 minutes. It's been an hour. It's been an hour and a half. It's been two hours we're sitting in Bourne. Uh, it's just raining on and off as well. So we've packed up most of our broadcast gear. Um Finally, they say, all right, let's resume. Uh, we finally we set our gear back up. We start calling the game again. Um, and then it starts raining once again. There's another small delay. You know, our gear is getting soaked. We just pack it up. I think that we made it to the, uh, to the eighth inning. Um, and then it's raining. And then packed up our gear, like I said. But then they just decide to continue playing, even though it's, it's torrential downpour at this point. The lightning's pretty much gone. Actually, there was a strike that was, I think, the closest it had been all night. But, again, we'd been sitting around for, like, two and a half hours, two hours at this point. Um, and so we're all sitting in the bleachers. We have an umbrella. Uh, the four of us are huddled up, myself, Tyler Henry, uh, Colin Casey, who was another one of our play-by-play broadcasters last summer, and Chris Cassidy, our producer. Um, and we're sitting there. We have Tyler's iPhone. We're under an umbrella. We plug in a microphone to it. We log into the Hartwich Mariners Instagram because we can't broadcast using our regular equipment. It's just too much rain. Um, and we go on Instagram Live and we cover the last two innings of the game on Instagram Live. Uh, I believe it ended in a tie, I want to say. I know we were up one nothing heading into the big lengthy rain delay. And then the first pitch back out of the delay was a home run to tie the game by Bourne. Go figure. Um, so I believe that ended in a tie. That was the only other run that was scored. But I'd say that was my favorite memory is uh, just kind of persevering through that, finding a way to still cover the end of the game despite, um, you know, Mother Nature having other plans. Um, and, you know, it was empty by the time the game was over. But coming out of the rain delay, I think it was the loudest it had been there all day because both benches were just jumping up and down. They are banging on the, the dugouts. And then, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but as soon as that home run was hit by Bourne, I mean, they started blowing up. It was it was unbelievable. It was, it was a fun game to be a part of. Um, it was a long drive back to Harwich that night, uh, but I'd say that's definitely up there in regards to uh, Cape League memories uh, for me. Nice. Now, if people are, you know, visiting these, but like they're following their team around on the yep. Cape and they're trying to get to, you know, must-try must restaurants or ice cream stands or anything like that, do you have any favorites, you know, a couple on the Cape that you might recommend for people who are new? Yeah, I would say so. I have a couple. Um, thinking about Harwich specifically in that area because that's largely what I'm familiar with, um, you know, getting back after a game, having to grab something to eat. Uh, Brax Landing isn't bad. Uh, that's I believe that's right on uh, 28, uh, if I'm remembering my routes correctly. Uh, might not be. 
Um, Max Chatham Fish and Lobster. Uh, that's a great one. That's a fish market and a restaurant. Uh, Mom and Pops. That's a burger place right in Chatham. Uh, the Knack. That's where I had my first lobster roll last year. Surprisingly enough, at 21 years old, I have my first lobster roll. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting uh, getting some some looks here in the studio. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, no, admittedly so. That's right in Orleans, right near Eldridge Park. Sea uh, Dog Brewing. That's a great spot in South Yarmouth, right next to uh, Red Wilson Field. Uh, the Lanyard's also great in Harwich. And then for uh, for ice cream, Schoolhouse Ice Cream's great. And so Sunday School, both right in Harwich, uh, right near Harwich Port. And I wanted to ask what, one last question about the lifestyle, because you hear, you know, guys who are in Major League Baseball or yeah. even Minor League Baseball, you know, they're up till like 2 in the morning because the games go until 10 at night. Mm-hmm. and You know, they have to wind down and they're sleeping until almost noon. Mm-hmm. What is the lifestyle like for you when you're working there and for players who are, you know, you said some of these games are at four, so maybe it's not that different from, you know, your lifestyle when you're not covering the Cape League. Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I just got to, like, pinch myself. I'm lucky enough to be living down in the Cape for a whole summer covering uh, covering the Cape. And, you know, uh, what it'll look like is, you know, if we start with a game, I'll show up to the ballpark, like, two hours before a game. Say it's 6.30 game, I'll show up at 4.30. Uh, we cover the game, probably won't get back uh, home until maybe 10 o'clock, and then, um, you know, it'll be updating game notes. I'll probably head right to bed from then. Um, then it'll be updating game notes like the next morning, doing prep for uh, for that night's game. Um, but you know, once once we're in like the flow of the season, I, that'll be a bit more streamlined. Once you're you know day to day following a team, you kind of understand what's going on. Um, you you can follow along with the storylines a lot more easily. Um, but then I would say, um, just kind of relaxing. You know, you don't want to kind of stress yourself out too much. You know, um, and I I think the same would probably go for the players. You know, yeah, you're there. You know, it's a great environment yes you're on the cusp of like going professional and you want to make sure you're focusing on your craft but you know you'll hear a lot of guys say it's easier to perform well when you're loose um, when you're enjoying yourself when you're when you're having a good time down on the cape and so for the players you know I know they often try to enjoy themselves you know I see players will go off to the beach um, you know hanging out doing other stuff around the around the cape Um, and so you know just finding the time to you know just enjoy where you're at you know, there's there are worse spots to be calling summer baseball than Cape Cod, and so uh, I try to make the most of it when I can, while keeping in mind for myself too. You know, I'm here to develop professionally, and and you know, try to make a living at it. And so, you know, I'll take care of business when I need to, but then you know, I'll I'll have a good time, head down to the beach myself, uh, hang out with friends whenever the time presents itself. Well, that's a good approach. Well, Tim, I really I know you're moving today down to Harwich, so I really appreciate you taking the time uh, for, to come in studio today. I think it sounded great. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You know, I'm always happy to talk about the Cape. I'm looking forward to another full 44 games. I think we only had 36 last year, uh, unfortunately. No All-Star game either, but full 44-game schedule. All-Star games back as well. Um, And so I'm looking forward to just another full slate of Cape Cod baseball this summer. Nice. We are too. Well, thanks to Tim Foley for joining us in studio. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.